And the scary thing is that AI in and of itself is only at the, the beginning of what it's capable for, because we already know that, you know, deep fake technology, for example, is possible. So you can create a deep fake video that's very much in your image. We have seen the capability to do deep fake voice mimicking, where it is an exact copy of your voice. So if you now take the ability to, to deep fake your video presence, deep fake your voice, you can fake a Facebook account. Yeah. What if at one point in time, you know, as a parent, you get a video call from your child's name on Facebook and you don't notice that it's a different account. Somehow they've managed to subvert it or done whatever. And you get a video call and it's your distressed child. Need 5K exactly. for they are in trouble. Yeah. How do you as a parent not react to that at that point? Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Uku Domikas, CEO at Mesenta, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Uku. Hey, Joseph. Nice to be here. Likewise. How are you? I'm good. You know, the weather could be a little bit better, especially if I, I was planning a longer bike ride during the weekend. But, oh, you no. know, it, it is what it is. It's starting to turn into the first minus degrees here in Estonia. So, you know, that, that season is around the corner. You are living in the north like uh, myself. This time I, you can't think and hope for good weather. It's hopeless. No, no, you can't. But okay, let's jump straight into it then. Who is Uko? Please help me get the context of how you look at yourself. Yeah, so I'm the CEO of Mesenta. Been in the company for eight years, which is usually quite unusual for most people nowadays. People move a lot more around, especially if you're in this sort of like a start upy kind of a scene. But I started in Mesenta as an SDR, so pretty much a junior, junior salesperson and worked myself up over eight years to the position that I am today. I usually tend to describe myself as a, a grinder. I'm not the most talented person. I'm not the smartest person, but I will outwork you. I have a military background. I have a law background. So I finished law school. So technically I'm a lawyer by, by degree. Then I did my mandatory army service, ended up becoming a, a decorated platoon commander. So I'm an artillery platoon commander. Then I went and ran a, a small seafood company. And when I realized at like 22, 23, that I really wasn't ready to run a business, took a step back, took a junior sales position instead, and then worked my way up to the position where I now am comfortable running an international business. So that's kind of the, the background that I am. I'm a very active person physically, two small kids and everything else that goes with it, including sometimes being a volunteer firefighter and sometimes a high school teacher. So, yeah. And and if I, if my math is correct, you have done all this and you are just 31 or 32. Yes, I'm 31, yeah. Impressive. Thank you. <laughs> I, I get around. 
yeah. I, I knew the military background. The, the, the law, yeah, wow, wow. And like, like you said, also stay eight years as an employee and like work your way up. That, that is very uncommon. Yeah. So this is one of the reasons why I found you very interesting to have here. So thank you for sharing, Yuko. And moving on to Mesente, your company. Mm-hmm. What does the company do? Please do the elevator pitch. Mesente is a business messaging company. Essentially, if you've ever gotten a post package, a dentist reminder, anything else via SMS, then we're the company helping deliver those messages, especially those business critical ones that you really need there super fast, like OTP codes, transactional messages. We deliver those in 197 countries around the world for some of the biggest businesses around the world, including you know some known Swedish brands with NDAs. They don't want to say who they are, though with a lot of financial services, etc. But Mesenta has, in the past couple of years, taken a very active stance and also fighting against fraud and fighting against anything that's related to business messaging related scam. And this has led us to working with big financial institutions in the Baltics, working with the banking associations, working with the Estonian police, working with Europol, and sharing our knowledge and sharing our insights to not just be a very good business messaging company, helping advance customer communication, but also helping fight against fraud and keeping and making this channel consistently safer and better for people to use. Thanks for the pitch. And I I, I stop you here regarding this topic because I... Happen to know what a topic you, you told me before. Before I like, I, I want to talk about this, and like, oh wow, amazing! So we will dive deeper there soon within this. Uh, and now it's time for something I call five quick ones. And the framework here is basically I will throw up a word uh, or a sentence, uh, five different ones, and here you need to be quick, Google. And like the very first sentence that you think of when you hear the word, you need pop it out. Understand? Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. Good. Let's go. The reason why you go to work? Have fun. SMS. Fast. Your biggest role model business-wise? My grandfather. Keeping you awake during the night? Fraud. And uh, your happy place? Training. Interesting answers here. So, okay, I want to I want to start first quickly with uh, your uh, your grandfather. Yeah, your biggest role model so, business wise. What yes. what did, have he done? What did he do to end up as as, as that? See, for for me, I find it kind of hard to maybe relate to big business CEOs or or great big you know visionaries like you know Musk or Bezos or 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 anybody else kind of like that but my grandpa embodied the principle in in business and in his life of work that I most associate with myself and with I what I most associate with success as well because he worked for 50 years as a mechanic uh, as a big engine mechanic in a shipyard, being the, you know, if you've ever heard the a joke about an old man who goes and, you know, is brought in to fix a big engine that is not working on a ship and he comes there, you know, studies the thing for an hour, picks out his hammer, does a single ding and, you know, engine lurches into life. That's kind of who he was. <laughs> and then when he was 
And when he turned 65 and he retired, you know, was sent into retirement, he immediately got another job and for seven years worked as a handyman. And then he got retired from that job. And then he went and worked as a landscaper for another seven years. So he was a man that was, he rode his bike until the day he died every single day. He died while shoveling snow outside. He never stopped. He was consistently moving and consistently doing. But because of that, there was constant kind of progress and constant happiness in his life. And for me, that has been the guiding principle for me in my life as well, that as long as you do, as long as you push, as long as you try and give it your best, you will succeed. And it's the same thing in business as well. It's not about being a genius. It's not about doing the, you know, the greatest, biggest single thing. It's about putting in the work day in, day out, consistently over and over and over again until success becomes an inevitability. And that's what I take into business as well. And if we look at Macenta this year, first year under my helm, the one thing that we've done is as a team started all of us pushing together at the same time. And all of a sudden we have an all-time record year. We didn't do anything special we just all started pushing together simultaneously, consistently. That's how you get results. And that's my my grandpa, even in business, is my biggest role model. Amazing story. And yeah, I think, no, it makes, m- many things make sense from hearing what you just said. So, okay, we have arrived to now uh, the big segment of a topic of your choice. And Mm -hmm. the only rule here, Uko, is that you need to talk about something that you are extremely nerdy about and are passionate passionate about. So uh, the floor is yours. I will see it. Yeah, so fraud. Absolutely one of my uh, favorite topics. The reason why is because we've been putting so much work into understanding how fraud works. And I mean... It's quite a big topic in Sweden these days as well, especially with recruitment, SMS-based recruitment fraud being a really big thing. I know it was even in, in national news or TV show a few days back. And it is becoming a big thing. And the reason why it's becoming such a big thing is ever since the onset of COVID, the amount of scam messages sent has increased by more than 300%. And the reasoning behind it is people are at home more, which means they shop online more, which means they're online behaviors have changed to a point where they're more willing to do digital transactions via different channels, right? You get a a notification via, you know, a push notification from an app or you get a text message or you get an email or whatever. You're, You're used to getting more digital touch points ever since COVID because everything was so much more online. Yeah. And then the other one is is the onset and the, the development of AI, because what has happened with scam is the quality of scam has increased substantially. One of the big things is that the, the typos are gone. The language used has turned from clunky and obviously written by someone who's not local to local languages, to personalized content, to personalized URLs, to a position where, you know, we've jokingly said that marketers start to need need to start looking at what scammers are doing because scam messages are getting to such a degree of quality in certain cases that their conversion rates are consistently rising. And the issue is quite big because if you look at the average conversion rate of a text message scam, it's about 1% to 4% is the average uh, text message scam conversion. And the average global damage of a single conversion or, or how much a person loses from a single scam message that they actually fall for is about $800 
global average. So if you now take just some of the stuff that we've done in the Estonian market with, with the police as well, where we've caught a bunch of messages. Last month, we caught half a million scam messages so right, that were actually designated to go to people. So when you now do the math of half a million times one to 4%, so you're talking between you know, multiple thousands, yes. uh, right, in terms, of, in terms of people getting scammed, multiply that by 800. You're talking about a multi-million euro piece of damaging scam yeah it is an immense problem currently and it's only getting bigger because the they're also starting to become a lot smaller smarter in terms of when they use localized trigger points so for example in estonia during february and march it's the it's the tax return season so that's when you file your tax returns and when uh-huh. you also get you know your tax refunds etc cetera, etc cetera. in every country it's it's on a different time or on a different space but what they've now done is they start using the tax board's name within the scam content specifically during that window of March and February when they know that that is something that people might get triggered by. So they utilize that specific space of time in order to deliver those scam messages. And that didn't happen before. And that they've also transitioned from using you know, connections or routes to send messages that would be unreliable or would be backdoor connections or would be, you know, random stuff to now exploiting the fact that, and I'm going to be honest, operators aren't doing too good of a job in filtering those messages out so they can use legitimate channels, which means that the messages get there much faster, much more on target with the right characteristics that they need to be. When you combine that with AI and with more information that people share about themselves to, to the outside world, you're now in a position where a scam is faster, higher quality, personalized with relevant calls to action, being able to trigger that much more damage from people. And that's why you know we're so worried about it because it's becoming a bigger and bigger thing and so many more people are actually falling for it that if you're not careful and if people aren't educated and this information isn't shared, it has a potential of becoming an even bigger issue. And I think here, I hear this more and more, and I have fought it many times also. Soon, I won't say it's right now, but in a few years, a smart person can't trust anything that is like a text on internet, etc. What's your, what's your like angle and thought here regarding the topic of fraud and like still being able to communicate digitally, but in a safe way? Yeah, I mean, I guess this is... The one thing that we've discussed with the police as well and and with the other authorities has really been the fact that the key here is cooperation between all of the entities. So between operators, between service providers, between the government, the police, the authorities, everybody else, in order to really start stamping out the fraud as much as it's possible. Because when you let it become bigger, when you let it proliferate it, it just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and and the scary thing is that ai in and of itself is only at the the beginning of what it's capable for because we already know that you know deep fake technology for example is possible so you can create a deep fake video that's very much in your image we have seen the capability to do deep fake voice mimicking where it is an exact copy of your voice so if you now take the ability to to Deepfake your video presence, deepfake your voice. You can fake a Facebook account. 
parents. Yeah. What if at one point in time, you know, as a parent, you get a video call from your child's name on Facebook and you don't notice that it's a different account. Somehow they've managed to subvert it or done whatever. And you get a video call and it's your distressed child. Need 5K exactly. for they are in trouble. Yeah. How do you as a parent not react to that at that point? I heard this for one month ago and I talked to it with my fiance and my family also that I strongly believe that it, it, we will have safe words in the future, like words written down, not digitally, like, okay, please, yes, do the safe word. And like, what? Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Like, do the safe word and then ask scammers. Yeah, I mean, we'll start reverting to how most of the time the, the, the military works. So you would have code words for every single day and that phrase would be, you know, everyone would know the first part of the phrase and you would have to answer the second part of the phrase. And if you didn't know the second part of the phrase, you know, you were obviously an enemy or what. And there's a possibility of that happening, right? So if we don't want to start living in that crazy world, it's a necessity for the different organizations who have the power to do something about this, to actually start investing heavily into trying to find ways to combat this. Thank you for you and putting so much effort with operations, etc. It's super important. It's a very interesting topic, but we need to move on because I, you are a busy person. So, so we have several more questions to rip off before we are done here. Cool. So moving on to actually an external question. And this is from yeah. a real person. <laughs> I know mm -hmm. this person very well. This question is from Madeleine Arndt at Sales Hub. And this is mm -hmm. her question. Hi, Urku. What's your best advice regarding building clear and efficient processes in a company? So I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to building processes. I, I like doing everything in quite a structured manner because I believe that that is one of the most best ways to do it. But here, everything starts first and foremost from the why. I'm very much a believer of the camp of, of Simon Sinek, where the why of everything is at the core and you start from that or like, why am I doing this? What's the problem that I'm solving with this process? And then from that, I, I sort of approach this kind of like this, like a speech writing assignment almost in a way where you have the main why, right? And then you have it written out in a sentence of what that why is. And then it, it usually has three or four different sections or three or four supporting parts of that thesis. And those are the main aspects or the most important parts of that process that you're building to execute upon what the why actually is. Usually we'd have an intro, the body consisting of three theses and then an outro. Well, in the context of a business process, you would have the why is the main idea that you're actually trying to pro, you know, proceed with title, an intro, which is the setup <coughs> sorry, of the actual process of itself. And then the core aspects of what you need to tackle in order for this process to be effective. What is the, you know, the main aspect of execution of what is the most important thing to do to lead to the success of that thing first? So in a sales process, let's say on a discovery call, for example, how do you set up a good discovery call process? 
First thing being, why are you wanting to do a discovery call with this person at, at all? Are they the right ICP or the right person? Have you done the research? First part of the actual call itself, you have the introduction, setting the stage, understanding why are we doing this? Why am I here? What are the purposes for it? And then the three core pillars of what you would like for them to understand about your business, what you want to understand about their business and what your pitch is. So you can build it up from an efficient manner and towards of working towards that why with then the close at the end for a discovery call or whatever that process needs to be to tidy it up, manage the data, share, communicate, whatever needs to be the next step. So it always stems from the why and then the process that helps you succeed in towards building and executing on that why most effectively. Usually it takes you know two or three steps in that process to make it as effective as possible, two or three key steps. Thank you. Thank you, Madeline, for the question and Uke for the answer. Uh, why, why, why I thought it was a good question here with you, with you was because of the military background too, also being mm-hmm. very structured and working with uh, great processes. So thank you for that. Now it's time for one of my favorite topics in the whole world, and that is go to market. I want to both like brain pick you a bit about your go-to-market strategies, but we can start with how you see that Mesente can be used to grow their business from a scaling your business perspective. Well, Mesente is a communication tool set provider that specifically enables you to do certain parts of your business more effectively. One of the most common ways to grow your business Um, is to use business messaging, not just for like security purposes and reminders, but also use it for promotional campaigns. So essentially for marketing. As a marketing tool, text message is for the bang for your buck, quite cheap. Like if you take the cost per click, it is about 40 cents compared to the cost per click of like a Google ad that's between two and four euros or Facebook that's around two euros or email where it is actually significantly higher because because of that reason that, you know, doesn't have the open rate. SMS has a 98% open rate within the first three minutes. It's very good for short, quick communication like an abandoned cart notification. If you're an e-commerce company and you're looking to capitalize on making sure that the transactions are fulfilled and helps you can scale your business faster, open sort of reminders about finishing your purchase. Those types of notifications have a 17% conversion rate. So if you want to upgrade the amount of business you're doing by 17%, just add text messages to your cart flow. Like those are the things where you can use it for. It's very, very effective for quick, very direct, very high touch client communication where you want people to take an immediate action. And for those purposes, when you combine it with with your you know Facebook ads, when you combine it with your email marketing, you just get a much better high touch communication channel on top of all of the other stuff you have as well yeah. so you can increase the conversion by extreme rates where you know the average conversion rate for a, for a, or a click through rate for text messages between 19 and 45 percent people are going to see it people are going to click it and if we take a step back then i love the last part also because it's it's super clear for me at least and i hope uh, the listeners also understand that uh, mesente or something similar is extremely powerful once you have 
come a bit into your journey. You have you have numbers to communicate. You have customers, hundreds if not thousands or tens of thousands with them. You you, you top it up on the Meta, on the Google, etc. But we're back now. We don't say from the start, but what would you say for SaaS leader listening to this and want to scale their company now? And there are at the point like, they have not mm-hmm. yet reached the 1 million yet, but they are like, they have something, they, they have some customers, but next leveling go to market. What would you do? You're in that position. The most critical go to market inputs from this point. It's a good question because, it, you know, SaaS companies solve a lot of different problems, right? But that's where I would always start from. If you're trying to scale up your business or, or reach the next step is, is always the question of, okay, so you've made the 100K, you, you have some clients, you have a proof of concept. Are you solving an actual problem? A lot of people, I think one of the pitfalls to do with their code to market is when they get their first clients, they assume they have something something that's meaningful. But sometimes that doesn't mean you have something meaningful. Sometimes you just have something that's nice to have, but it's a good economic climate, so they're willing to spend money on it. And as soon as the economy tanks, you get hit. Maybe the leader or founder is quite enthusiastic and good at sales also, so they just push for it. (laughs) Exactly. And then you realize that you're just, you've been selling through one person's charisma and through just a good, favorable situation as compared to what actually leads to success is when you have an actual problem to solve and you're solving an actual problem. So when you've made that first 100K, the next step in go-to-market is taking a step back, another step forward and understanding, am I fixing a problem? Is this scalable? Is this business actually something that's rather nice to have or something that people consider an essential problem? One of the reasons that we always, one of the things we always look for when we want to scale a product is, Has a client already tried to fix this problem themselves? Is there a duct tape solution already existing on their side? That's how you know it hurts enough. They like try to do something to fix it. If you can find that, it's probably something that they're willing to pay for. They're willing to pay for it if they've tried to fix it themselves. There's probably more businesses around there with similar issues. Then you can scale. Then you can understand the problem at a core, find a real solution to that problem, test it, see if it's vital or if it's not vital, and then take the next step forward and scaling and then pushing it out and understanding what's the best channel to actually do this. Is this, you know, is this a B2C product? Is this a B2B product? If it's a B2B product, what's the best way to sell this? Am I going to trade shows? Am I going LinkedIn? Am I going, you know, direct sales? Am I doing demand generation? What's the specific channel, the specific method that works best for you? Because not for every tool, Demand gen might not be the best thing. And trade events are still a great place to go to. We go to trade events. We still do a lot of business at trade shows. But a lot of businesses don't work that way. So you need to then understand which channels are the most effective and prioritize those where the bang for your buck is the most immediate. Double down on those while experimenting simultaneously. I, I, I love like when you said with the, the duct tape part, like some of the, the some of the, the things here in your answers I heard many times before, but that I maybe I'm just in the right state of mind and I'm thinking like that so so well formulated, like only care about the prospects that like we are doing this today so shitty, but we're we we're doing yeah. 
that's amazing. Yeah. Well, that that part and the fraud part, I, I, uh, hi- highlights of yeah, yes, so valuable for me. That's that's why I have this podcast, so I can keep on learning every week from one smart person. So yeah, great input here, Uko. And uh, now now I am I'm, I'm I'm curious to hear what you will answer here. Uh, talking some out- outreach. Uh, what's your preferred way of being contacted in a modern buyer's journey for you regarding B2B? Meaning, what's the best way to do outreach to you? If I were a salesperson, you, you're obviously you're here. So, <laughs> but for for a salesperson listening to this, how how would you like to be uh, contacted in, in the most professional way? It's interesting. I'm maybe potentially slightly different, mainly because I put so much time into building um, our companies and our personal brands over on LinkedIn. So I always prefer being contacted in LinkedIn. And why I like it is because because of the way like LinkedIn's inbox works and the way that even just the pop-up window works, you can never write a very long text. Or if you write a very long text, it's going to be poor. You know, putting it mildly, it's going to be poor. So you have to be very much on point if you try to reach out to somebody on LinkedIn. And then you also have needed to put work into your profile on LinkedIn as well. So I can immediately check who you personally are, not just your company when you send it from a company email, but I get to check you out. I get to understand how you are. Are you, a, are you an interesting person? Do I think that there might be an overlap? Have you put into work to try to build your company's values into your own profile? Have you put content forward about your company and about what you guys do and the value propositions you have. So I like LinkedIn because LinkedIn gives me a very quick path into understanding how you communicate outward, what kind of business do you do? How do you handle things? So I get to have a much better view of things when you contact me over LinkedIn, which also means that you have a significantly higher chance of getting in contact with me because I get a, you know, anywhere upward to 120, 150 emails a day. But I maybe get four or five messages on LinkedIn per day. You know, Gmail already throws stuff in different folders. You're going to be in promotions or somewhere else anyways. But on LinkedIn, there's one inbox. So the chances of you hitting that inbox are much higher. And actually getting access to me is much higher. But then I also get to be much more critical about whether I'll answer and whether I'm interested in doing business. That's why I quite like being reached out to by LinkedIn. LinkedIn, then there is, and yeah, we are actually entering the roundup now. I only have a few questions left, and yeah, th- this first question—it's just basically me wondering if you think it's anything that you you think I missed asking you about that you that you think can be of value to the listeners. Ha! Huh, that's a good question. One of the things that I always get asked, which is a question I like answering as well, is if you have any recommendations for books. And I always recommend the same book every single time, which is Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman and Igor Traversky. It's pretty much a book about the pitfalls of our thinking. It includes the description and and details on how confirmation bias works, which is pretty much if you already believe something, you're going to believe every detail, every article, every piece of content that supports your existing view more than anything that opposes your existing view. But when you become more 
aware of that tendency existing and that being a reality, you have a much better opportunity of creating a much more unbiased, a much more objective view of things and actually finding ways to reach a better understanding of the truth rather than, you know, always going off of what, what feels realistic or what feels based to you. So that's one of the things that I always like, you know, sharing. So that's a good point to bring in now. Thank you for that. And you, you, by me asking this question to you and with your answer, now that will be a standard question in the roundup for me every time with the book. It's so easy. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. nice. Okay. Uh, second last question. If uh, Now you're talking to yourself, uh, your younger self. If you would give yourself, uh, think like, Three years ago, five years ago, when you were when you didn't have as much leader experience as you have now, the top one to three things to think of that you now know that you didn't know, what would you tell yourself? It's interesting. I've thought of this about this before. The thing I would say <coughs> is keep doing what you're doing, the way you're doing it, because four years ago I was where I was. Four years later, later, I'm in a position where I get to run this company. I'm physically the fittest I've ever been in my life and probably the happiest I've ever been in my life as well. So everything that you started doing four years ago, just keep on doing it the same way because the principles that got me from there to here are the principles I'm going to follow for the next you know, 10, 20 years probably as well. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep at it. Simple. Nice. And the very last question then. For this time, at least, uh, can you share one of your favorite life mottos right now? Sure, I have one tattooed on my arm, actually, right over here. It is it's press on, and it comes from the one. And again, you know, this this will fit into the theme very well of what I've been describing the entire time. But press on comes from a, a quote from Calvin Coolidge, and the the quote is that persistence and determination alone are omnipotent throughout the history of mankind the phrase press on has been the only thing to help us overcome its dangers and its challenges so the idea being that of all of the things you could do in your life <coughs> as long as you push forward as long as you put the work in as long as you press on you will get through it the same thing, the same consistency, the same work at, uh, methodology that I've always carried. Press on is, it's the, it, you know, it's tattooed conveniently. So whenever I'm training and I'm in that position of, of I want to give up, if I just peek at it, it helps me get that last push in and, and you know, feel good about it and then continue going. And yeah, it's it's a red thread here, like you said, and back to your grandpa again with, with your role model with that. So yeah, Uko, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And now, before I will thank you and say goodbye, now I quickly shift in the focus to you who has been listening. Two quick ones. Number one, don't be selfish now. If you got value here, please tell a friend or a colleague about the episode with Uko in B2B SaaS Sharing is caring. And thing number two, uh, if, if you like the episode, frankly, and the podcast, press the subscription button. We have great guests coming here every week. And Uko, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. So-